Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Take out your sermon notes now. Let's get into the Word. The Habit Wheel Anger Part 2. I know that, man, I got to fly through this. Time's getting away. But I want to talk to you about the Anger Wheel Part 2. Last week we started out our new series, Calling the way, the, the, the Habit Wheel of Anger. And we talked about that last week. But now we're going to talk about how to solve the problem of anger in our lives. But if you remember last week we talked about whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. How many of you know that's true? Whatever you do in anger, your results and things that you say, things that you do, man, you end up walking away with shame because you're embarrassed by what you did out of your anger. But if you have your Bibles or on the screen, in Proverbs 14, verse 29, it says this, whoever is patient has great understanding. God, I want patience, but I want it Now, ever said that before? How many of us are really impatient? We get impatient when we go to the food line and we don't get our coffee right away or when we get our hamburger right away. We're getting mad when the clock goes past five minutes, right? Waiting in line at McDonald's or or Starbucks for your coffee. The other day I went to Four Winds and got my car washed at Four Winds. I waited 45 minutes to get my car washed. I know, I was insane. Thank God for smartphones that you can look on your smartphone, keep you occupied. And you know what the crazy thing is? I waited 45 minutes in line, and then I got into the car wash and it only took five. <laughs> Isn't that just like you ladies? You cook the Thanksgiving meal, it takes you all day to cook that bad boy. All day. You're slaving over the kitchen, man, cutting up the potatoes, making the turkey, all that kind of, and then it takes 10 minutes to eat it. What's up with that, right? But patience, God, I want patience, but I want it now. Patience is a virtue. Patience is also the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience. But then it goes on to say, but but the one who is quick temper displays folly. You ever think about the word folly, what does folly mean? Look at what folly means. Folly means being foolish. The one who displays temper or anger is what? Foolish or is unwise. And the reason why he says you're unwise, because when you are angry, you do things, say things that you shouldn't say or do. How many of you have ever done that before, right? So if you got your list, look at, have you ever done some foolish things in your life? Like number one, have you ever said foolish things? How many of you ever said this before? Open mouth and then, have you ever had that before? Some of you got shoes sticking out your mouth right now. Amen. Open mouth and insert foot by the things that you say. But here's the bad thing about things that you say. With the things that you say, you can say you forgive or ask for forgiveness by what you say, but a lot of times by the words that you say, pierce and ring loud in the person's heart or mind and who you said it to. So it's very careful about the things that you say because words do hurt. They do hurt. They cut. And they hurt, and they just, man, they just bring discouragement. But another one is this, did foolish things. How many of you ever done foolish things when you got mad, right? But did foolish things, maybe got angry, you threw something, did something really crazy out of your anger, you did something really foolish, and you paid the price out of your foolishness? Or another one is this, hurt someone out of your foolishness. You know, how many have ever maybe hurt someone, maybe backhanded someone, maybe got into a physical uh, situation because of your anger, you hurt someone, not only emotionally by what you said, but physically by what you've done. 
And so a lot of times our anger has to be tempered. We have to put it under control. I don't know about you, but because of this new society we live in, we don't really use phones anymore, right? What we use is we use Facebook, we use text, Snapchat, Instagram, all the kind of things that now this newer generation likes. How many can relate to what I'm saying? If you're anything like me, I'm computer illiterate. I'm telling you, I can't even look up things on the map of how to get from point A to point B. My wife does that. But one thing I can do is I can get on Facebook. And I like to be interested in what you guys are doing because that's how you guys communicate now, especially the younger generation. And so you communicate through Facebook. You communicate through text or Snapchat or Instagram, whatever. But on Facebook, so, well, the other day, I was fumbling through Facebook, and I came across this video. And maybe you guys are the same way. And I came upon this video, Adam, and this video was a video of people that got angered rage. You ever see those videos on Facebook? Man, and they show this video, and I'm watching this video, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, these people are crazy. They're nuts. And they're just destroying windows on cars. They're ramming into cars. They're throwing things. They're fighting all over anger. You know what I'm talking about? And after I got done watching that video, I was terrified because what I thought was, man, what's going to happen when they're done being angry? Man, they're going to be thrown in jail. They're going to be paying a high price. They destroyed that car. And I thought, how crazy we allow people or our anger to get so mad or bad that we destroy things. And then after our anger, we're left picking up the pieces. Wow. Ever done that before? Anger leaves you empty-handed and picking up the pieces. But the difference, the only difference between those who have failed and those who have succeeded lies in the difference of our habits. The habits in your life, whether they're going to be good or bad, is the difference whether you fail or you succeed. Are you doing good habits that are making you succeed in life, or are you doing bad habits that are bringing you down and defeating you? I shared this story in the first service. My son, CJ, my son, CJ, went off to college. He had a full-ride scholarship there in Illinois. He was playing basketball, and he was living on the top of the world. I mean, he had the tiger by the tail kind of thing, right? And I'll never forget, man, he was making wrong choices. He wasn't going to work, and so therefore my wife and I, we gave each one of our kids a credit card, and we gave them a $500 limit. We said, we're going to build up your credit. We put it in their name. We paid their bill. You got $500, but they didn't go $500 every month. But we gave them an opportunity that you could fill up a tank of gas every week on your car to build up credit. Well, what was happening was CJ had such a bad habit. He'd use his credit card, and he'd max it out, and then he'd always say, hey, Mom, Dad. Can you bail us out? How many can relate to what I'm talking about, right? And so finally, we, we cut it off. We said, nope, the money tree is done. Well, Dad, Mom, I can't get to work. But he didn't go to work. I can't get to practice. And he kept making all these things. I said, nope, CJ, until you change your ways and get a job, we're not giving you another dime. And so CJ started going down the wrong road. And here he was, a PK kid, and we're, the PK kids are expected to be perfect, right? No, PK kids are just like your kids. They're normal, right? And so they're expected to be perfect. And so here he was. He was doing these things, and so we cut it off, and he wasn't getting the job. And he was doing some wrong things. So because he was doing wrong things, he started going down the wrong, wrong path. And he was making some wrong decisions, and in making his decisions, it was costing him, and it was causing him pain, discouragement, and defeat. 
So one day, about 3 o'clock in the morning, my son calls me. He says, Dad, and he's crying on the other line there in Illinois. And he's crying. He said, Dad, Dad. And I said, Son, what's wrong? He said, Dad, I don't want to be here no more. I said, what do you mean you don't want to be here no more? You just got done being freshman player of the year in basketball. You're, you're living the man, the, the dream. He said, Dad, this is not what I want to do anymore. I said, son, what are you going to do? You're on a full-ride scholarship. He said, Dad, I want to walk away from it. And he said, I want to go to North Central or North Central University or North Central Bible College. And he changed his habits. He changed his lifestyle those things that were bringing pain and destruction to his life. And he went on to be the pastor that he is today. And because he made different choices or different habits in his life, today he's now traveling and he travels and does conferences for Verizon, for T-Mobile, for Lucas Oil. He speaks to the Colts, Indianapolis Colts. He just went to the, the governor. He just was with uh, Vice President Pence the other day. He's having all these new opportunities. His church is over 14,000 people because he made a habit change. And in your life, there may be habits that you need to change and you're being dwarfed and limited by what God has called you to do, but because you're hanging on to things that are holding you back, you're not succeeding or excelling into the things that God has for your life. And until C.J. had to change his habits and his ways, then he found his way and his destiny that God had for his life. The question is, what habits maybe do you need to change to find your destiny. The old saying goes, we're creatures of habits, whether good or bad. How many know that's true? Some psychologists believe that up to 95% of our behavior is formed through our habits. Wow, think about that. Formed through our habits. They say you do things seven to ten times every day. It creates a habit. It creates a habit that you eventually just take on as natural or a lifestyle in your life, whether a good habit or a bad habit. It creates a habit. I love this one. Each time we repeat an act, we add to it and strengthen it. In other words, you give it power. You give it a stronghold, a position to stand or a place in your life. So every time you repeat it, you're making it stronger. It's like taking a snowball, and it starts out small, but eventually as you start rolling it and rolling it and rolling it, it gets bigger and bigger. It's the same way with the habit that you repeat. It starts out small, and then all of a sudden it becomes big, and now the Bible says that you're more than a conqueror, but what happens is instead of being a conqueror, you're being conquered by the habit that you're controlling your life. And so what we have to do is change the habits in our life. We first make our habits. Now watch this. And then our habits make us. Think about that. Then our habits make us. You can know a person by their lifestyle or their character or by their habits in which they do. You can know that. You can see that. I love this. The original meaning of habit was garment or a piece of clothing as garments, as with garments, we wear our habits daily. Do you ever notice the story where Jesus calls for Lazarus? When he called forth Lazarus, who was in the cave, Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And when Lazarus came forth, he was, what, dressed in grave clothes. 
Grave clothes represented death, depression, defeat. It represented all that. But what Jesus did, he looked at Lazarus and he said, Lazarus, take off those grave clothes. Take off that stench of death. Take off that thing in your life that's bringing defeat in you. Sometimes in our lives, we need to change our habits or change our clothes and say, God, I'm not walking in this garment any longer, but I'm choosing to walk in the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to shake off these heavy bands, and I'm going to worship you, and I'm changing my clothes. You need to change your habits. You see, you sow an act, you reach a ha- reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap your character. Sow character, you reap your destiny. Some time ago, I shared this story maybe about a year ago, but it's so true. I did a funeral back in Grand Junction, Colorado. It was actually in Fruta, Colorado that j- joined up to Grand Junction. So it was Grand Junction, Fruta. So I went to Fruta there and did this funeral, and it was right at the gravesite. And when I did this funeral, I thought maybe I was lost because normally when you go to a funeral, there's usually a line of cars. Here where the gravesite's at. But there was no line of cars. So finally I thought maybe I'm at the wrong site. Maybe I'm at the wrong gravesite. And eventually, man, I, man I, there, there I found the place, and there was two cars there, and I saw the daughter. That's how I found out that I was at the right place. So I pulled up and get out of the car and start doing the service, and it was just me, the daughter, and the funeral director. That's all that was there. And I thought, man, oh, man, what, what, what's going on? So we did this guy's service, and we did his funeral, and put the uh, flower, and she put the rose on there, and we did our prayer, and ashes to ashes, dust to dust, as we normally do in a service. Then afterwards, I asked her, I said, uh, what, what, what's up? Why is there nobody else here? You're known by your character. She said, my dad was such an angry man. He pushed everybody away, and he didn't care about anybody but himself, that he was so ugly that nobody wanted to come. Character. Our character is labeled or marked by who we are. And because he was that way, nobody wanted to come. So how do I change that? And i got to blow through this. How do I tame the lion of anger in my life? How do I tame that? Maybe you got a reputation of being angry. Maybe you got a reputation that people have liked you. Man, his character, she, man, they're always mad. They're upset at the world all the time. How do I tame the lion of anger? Number one, admit you have an anger problem. The first key to taming the lion of anger in your life is you have to admit you have a problem. You see, a lot of times what we do is we want to side skirt it and blame it on everybody else. If you have your notes, often we justify our outburst of anger. We excuse ourselves blaming others for our anger. If she wouldn't have done that, if he wouldn't have done this, if she wouldn't have spent this money, if he wouldn't have took the car, we had all kinds of reasons of why we can get angry. 
And we justify our anger by what other people done instead of identifying that I have a problem and I have to take care of this. And if I don't take care of it or identify it, it's going to begin to control me. And if it controls me, it's going to begin to ruin me. And what it ruins, we got to get this. What it ruins, number one, it ruins you. Number two, it ruins family. Number three, it ruins friends. Number three, it ruins relationships. When you're always angry and you're always mad, what it does is always ruining and destroying. That's what anger does. It pushes people away. What would your tombstone say when you die? Were you a man or a woman of love and joy or a man of anger or a woman of anger? This man, his character was identified as anger. What about you? You have to identify your anger. Proverbs 28, 13, it says this. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. In other words, hides it, pretends it's not there, protects it, nurses it, rehearses it, curses it, rewinds it, fast forwards it. All these things about your anger. You can do everything you can, but if you don't, man, get rid of it and you conceal it, eventually what's going to happen, what's under the rug, it's going to come out. You can sweep it under the rug for a while, but eventually it will come out. Right? So it says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. In other words, it brings destruction. It steals from you. It takes from you. It ruins. But look at this. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Maybe some of you are all bottled up and you're wondering why you're so angry and why you're upset and why these things don't happen in your life and why this and that and why. The, the list goes on. Maybe it's because you bottled up this anger and this anger is stealing from you. Can I ask you a question? Is it worth it? It's stealing from you. Anger does never prosper in your life. It only steals. It never brings good to your life. It only takes away from your life. And what happens is he says this, if I confess it, if I admit it, that's the first step of being walking out of anger, that I have to admit that I have a problem and I have to take care of it. I can't blame it on anybody else. I have to do it myself. You can not only have to stop lying to yourself about your anger, but you also have to own it. I have to own it. I got a problem. When I was going through my stuff in life, I had to own it. No matter what my mom said, no matter what outside people said about my problems, I had to own it and accept it. And that, once I did, then I was down the road to recovery. The second thing is this. Identify the source of your anger. This is a big one. Identify the source of your anger. For instance, when someone criticizes you, why do you become angry or get so defensive? The reason why that is sometimes, maybe when you're growing up, you've been put down all the time. You were always told that you're no good, you're not qualified, you're this, you're that, you're not worthy. And so because of that, you have walked in your life with a life of defensive. You're defensive. You keep people at an arm's length, and you only get so close. If you get into this boundary of my life, then I'm going to come out roaring. And when I come out roaring, I'm going to roar at you, bite you, get angry at you, get mad at you. And a lot of times our anger is a defense mechanism to get people out of your life or to get people away from you. And a lot of times when you get in a fight with your husband or your wife or your kids, what happens? You may roar louder than they do. And because you roar louder than they do and your pain is why you roar louder than they do, you push them away and they go to their corner, which is their other room, and you stay in the kitchen. Guess what? You still have to deal with it even though they're in different corners. 
And what happens is we learn to be able to cope when we push people away because of that. What's your defense mechanism? Possibly because, for instance, our insecurities of not feeling like you measure up. Our insecurities. And because we're insecure about our situation in life, we feel like we don't measure up. And so, therefore, i got to prove to the world that I do measure up, that I am qualified. There was a guy at our church in, in Grand Junction, Colorado. He was one of our youth sponsors. Great guy. But he was small in stature. And because he was small in stature, what happened was he always had to prove himself that he was bigger, better, and stronger than all, everybody else. And so one day we're, we're camping, the whole church, we're camping at Highline Lake. This is the whole church out there. We take over the campgrounds. And we're camping there in Highline Lake, there in Grand Junction, Colorado. And I hear this skirmish going on outside my camper. So I walk out of my camper, and lo and behold, here was this guy and this another youth sponsor, Eric, and they were actually going at it. And Eric was pounding on him, man, just beating on him. And every time, because this guy, he always, because of his stature, and he had to try, to try to prove himself because of his insecurity of being small, he always tried to had to take on the biggest guy to prove that I'm strong enough. And because of that, he lived in this world of anger. He lived in this thing of insecurity that you may think I'm small in stature, but I'm king dynamite, and I'm going to knock you out. What is your insecurity? I'll tell you mine. I share this in the first service. I'm pretty confident in who I am. I was a good basketball player, and because of that, I was very confident. If anyone would call me cocky, we'd call it cocky. But I knew I could play basketball, and I could take you to the hole, and I could beat you. But what people didn't know was I had an insecurity. And I shared this in the first service. I didn't like myself for the longest time. And you know what it was, Krista? I had an insecurity about my nose. I had the biggest insecurity because, man, I, I have the Johnson nose. I'm glad I don't have the Collier nose because they got the big Rudolph nose, right? <laughs> but I had the biggest insecurity about my nose. And so because of that, I felt insecure. And I felt threatened. And because of my insecurity, I would always lash out at people because, man, they're laughing at me. They weren't laughing with me, but they felt like they were always laughing at me. And so because I had that insecurity, I would automatically, Jamie, respond. And I would lash out out of my insecurity until God made me realize that, CJ, you are tailor-made. You are the only one made like you. You are an original. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Until I accept it and love my own skin, Man, I could never get over that insecurity. But once I accepted who I was and who I am and how God created me, I was liberated from that insecurity. And now I said, look at me, Sandra D. Man, when kids come by, they can go on the slide. Amen. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not insecure anymore. But I was. My question is to you. Maybe you're insecure about maybe your weight, maybe about your height, maybe how you look. And because of your insecurities, you are protecting yourself. And in protecting yourself, you only let people get so close because you're afraid of what they might see. Your nose. Your stature. And a lot of times, that's what anger stems from, our insecurities 
of what maybe we have in our life. Maybe someone deeply hurt your feelings or broke your heart. And now you are quick to lash out at others who have nothing to do with that incident. If you can identify the source of your anger, you are more likely to understand how to deal with it. you got to identify the anger. When David faced the Goliath, what did he do? He ran to the giant. He didn't run from it. He ran to it. And what is your giant? And when you identify your giant, don't run from your giant. Because if you run from that insecurity or that giant in your life, what's going to happen? It's going to come even bigger, stronger, and more intimidating when you try to attack it again. you got to run to it. And you got to say, enough is enough. I'm not allowing you to defeat me any longer. Run to it. Learn to calm down before you react. How do you do that? Proverbs 29, 11, watch what he says. Fools give full vent to their rage. I got a right to me, man. Oh, I'm going to get it all out of me, getting it out of my system. I'm coming with a double-barrel shotgun. I'm taking you out. I got a right to be mad. You may have a right to be mad, but is it right to say it? And you're going to vent on your anger. You vomit on people. And you know what happens when you do that? You're left cleaning the mess. But here's what he said, but the wise bring calm in the end. You know what they say, counselors say, they count to ten. One, two, three. Not one ten, but have you ever put ten, one to ten together? Guess what one to ten could spell? One to ten, if you put all those letters together, one to ten could say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is ten letters and when you count to 10, you can say, come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Calm me down. Help me through this dilemma in my life. Bring peace to my life. Help me, God, get through this dilemma in my life. Ask yourself the question, is getting upset with my anger really solving the problem? Is it really solving the problem? If you learn to control your tongue, you will control the damaging effects of your anger. How many of you know that's true? Your anger is a threat to life, a peace that God desires for you. Your anger will, man, destroy the peace that God has in your life. Your anger will always leave you empty-handed. It destroys. Another one is that let go of your anger correctly, letting go of it correctly, taking care of it correctly. Don't repress your anger. You're not only bottle it up inside you, but you're not even aware of it because you suppress it so much. And you know anything about a pressure cooker. <laughs> Eventually what happens, you explode. Anger will always find an expression. You will either complain. Maybe you're saying to your, your husband or your wife right now, you're thinking to yourself, maybe that's why he or she complains all the time. They're always complaining. Well, they must be angry because they're always complaining. Blame. They're always blaming. Maybe they're... Full of anger. Or criticizing, always putting down, always putting down people. You know why we criticize? Because it makes you feel better when you put somebody else down because you're insecure about who you are and you're angry about maybe things that happened in your life. So I'm going to put you down, Jamie, to make you look bad and make me feel better. I mean, I've done that before, right? But your anger will always find a release. People who are often critical about their church, their kids, school, their work, their spouse, are often people who are simply trying to repress their anger. Just trying to find outlets 
So I'm going to be mad at church. I'm going to be mad at my kids, mad at my spouse, mad at my job because you're trying to repress your anger. And if you never deal with it, you're never going to be able to take care of it. Talk to someone about your anger problem. Man, find someone you can talk to that you can trust. Go for counseling. Find someone to help you release the anger instead of repressing your anger. You know what I do? I told this in the first service, and I know time's getting away. So, Andrew, come on up here so get, give these people some hope. <laughs> Amen. You know what I, what I do? Seriously, my dad, he, uh, he has a farm. Well, he did. He passed away now. 167 acres he has on his farm, 165. And when I go to my dad's farm, I take my Bible, and I go out in the middle of the woods. Seriously. I go Becky out in the middle of the woods, and I always read the book of James. I love the book of James. It's my favorite book. But then, after I get done reading the book of James, you know what I do? Anything that's pent up in my life, things that maybe, Bob, that I repressed, I scream to the top of my lungs. I let it out. And you know what? Before you know it, I got a choir around me. The squirrels are starting to bark with me. I'm like, man, I got the peanut gallery with me. They're agreeing. But you know what I'm doing? I'm taking out my anger on the trees of the field. They'll clap their hands. But I'm not taking it out on my wife, my spouse, or my kids, or you. But I find the way to let it out. When in doubt, get this, when in doubt, push it out. When in doubt, push it out. Get rid of it. Find a way to get rid of that rage or that anger in your life. Lastly, practice the forgiveness. Forgiveness is a big one. Practice forgiveness. Man, forgiveness. That's a hard one to do. Some of you are carrying around in your life since you were a little girl, little boy, scars or wounds or hurts or pains in your life and you're not able to let go of that and because you're not able to let go of that that has been your Achilles heel it's been your Achilles heel and man you find yourself where did that come from why did I get mad why did I get angry maybe it's because you repressed or try to bury or cover up a pain that you haven't let go of and maybe unforgiveness that you have towards someone I've always found this to be true bitterness doesn't hurt the one who causes it as much as the one who harbors it. And the person that maybe caused bitterness or hurt or, or pain in your life, guess what? They have gone on their merry way. But you are carrying the weight of shame. You're carrying the weight of pain in your life, unforgiveness. Look at what Jesus said in Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father. In other words, what he was doing, he was coming to the source of his healing. You see, the Bible says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. In order for you to get healed, you, you got to come to the Father who's the Dr. Jesus that can minister to the pain or the area of your life. He can minister to you and help you in your time of need. That I come to Jesus, the doctor of my soul, the one that knows every hair upon my head, every cell in my life, and he knows every circumstances in me. He's better than any doctor because he created you. And he says, I come to you, God, because you know me. But look what he says. Father, forgive them. So you know Jesus. He went through mog, mog, uh, flogging and whipping and beating and slashing and piercing and mocking and ridicule and spit on and all what he went through. Father, forgive them. 
But look at what he says. This is sometimes, Chris, where we, we lose this phrase. For they do not know what they are doing. In other words, because they were so enraged at Jesus, they were so mad at him, what did they do? They let, let their anger get out of control, that they didn't realize what they were really actually doing. They were crucifying the Messiah. And how many of you know that, man, sometimes in your anger, or somebody that may hurt you, they don't know what they're doing. Because anger makes you lose your mind. And he says, what? They do not know what they do, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Amen, he did. He sure did. Absolutely. You go, girl. I close with this story, and I share this. This is not in my notes, but I shared this because a guy after first service, I'm sitting over there. This happened today. The guy after first service, he said, Pastor CJ, he said, this story that you told, he said, this happened to me. And he said, over a year ago, you shared and you preached, and I came and heard you preach. He said, I had that same story happen to me, and I'm going to tell you. He said, I had a gun loaded to take this person out. He said, but a year and a half ago when I came to hear you preach, he said, I took the gun and I took the shell out of the, the gun. And he said, I wrote my name on that bullet and I still have it. He just told me that today. And here's why. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I have an incredible daughter. They pastor in Illinois. And I was pastoring in a church and man was doing really well and was a youth pastor at the time. And I left this church and I went to pastor now in Grand Junction, Colorado. Well, these two strong youth sponsors that were very close to me and my wife came to visit my wife and I in Colorado. Well, the time they came to visit us, that night my wife got sick. And uh, when she got sick, we had to take her to the hospital and Lo and behold, we had two instant babysitters there that were my youth sponsors that I believed and trusted, so on and so forth, and loved them. So we ministered to my wife, and my wife had to stay overnight there. Things were like normal as we thought. Four months later, my little girl had to use the restroom, and her mommy took her there. Ryan, my little girl started to proceed to say, Mommy, it hurts down there. And my wife said, what do you mean it hurts down there? And she proceeded to tell my wife what, what this young man did to her. Here's the kicker. We had a youth sponsor tour that we were going to 16 different churches on this tour doing this big youth drama presentation, You've Been Left Behind in all these churches. We had our t-shirts made. We felt like rock stars traveling all the different states, going to these different churches. And one of those churches was there. And so I knew that I had to face my Goliath. So my wife and I, we called this young man and we met in the sanctuary. And before, Daniel, I could get it out of my mouth, he said, yes, I did it. 
my skin wanted to crawl, man. I was going to come over that seat and rip him apart. How many know what I'm talking about? I wanted to rip him apart. How dare you violate my daughter like that? Talk about hurt. Man, I had this anger and rage inside of me, man. I was ready to wring that young man's neck. But Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I had to make a choice to forgive. You know what? You can love people. Let me tell you something. Here's the key. God said you got to forgive them. But you don't have to trust them. And I've forgiven that young man. But boy, when I did, man, I like vomited like a volcano. And when I did, man, I really emotionally, mentally, spiritually just felt drained because I held on to that. And sometimes in your life, you're hanging on to unforgiveness in your life, and you're exhausted, you're tired, because you're carrying the battle that God's taken from you if you would just give it to him. Give him your unforgiveness. He's listen, if you really want to get rid of your anger, you must choose to forgive the person who has done you wrong. I make that choice. Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison. And waiting for the rat to die. <laughs> to forgive is to set the prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Forgiveness is the most powerful and healing tools we have if we would just do it. Will you stand with me today? I'm sorry I took a little longer today. I got the pulpit at. 11.34. I'll tell you that right now. So I got it late. Sometimes people think I'm long-winded. No, I just got it late. Amen? I just want to encourage you. Identify your anger. Identify that what's hurting you in your life. And once you identify it, attack it. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you in that area. Don't live in misery because misery loves company. And it'll track you down. It'll chase you down. It'll come at you, destroy you, defeat you, make you separate, divide, all these things. It's not worth it. Get off that wheel and start walking for God. Father, today, I thank you and I praise you for every individual here right now. I pray, Lord, that you will help us all, Lord God, to release this anger in our lives if we have and are holding on to things that may be unforgiveness and maybe, God, our insecurities and things that, that are having a part of being angry in our lives that we will choose to let it go. Because, God, you have a great plan for our lives and sometimes we destroy the plan because of our anger. And I pray, God, that you help us to be strong and to rely and trust in you each and every day, that we will learn to count and slow down and bring in the Holy Spirit when we go through this battle of our lives. Lord, be with the people as they go their way. Thank you for bringing them here today. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Amen. God bless you today. Sorry I went a little long today. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. 
Thank you for your generous support.